You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the 20th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Today I have an interview with Stephen White, New York Times bestselling author of many suspense novels. White's latest novel, The Siege, is in stores now. Stay tuned for my interview with Stephen White. This is Lee Child, and I'm listening to the Reading and Writing Podcast. So welcome to the Reading and Writing Podcast. Today, my guest is Stephen White, author of the best-selling Alan Gregory novels. Stephen is a former clinical psychologist. His first novel, Privileged Information, featuring Boulder, Colorado psychologist Alan Gregory, was published in 1991. Many books have followed, and White's latest novel, available in bookstores now, is The Siege. Stephen, welcome to the Reading and Writing Podcast. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. Sure. Thanks for joining us. Um, I recently read an article that you wrote about your initial path to publication. You didn't follow the traditional path of someone banging on the doors of book publishing for years trying to get into the business. I wonder if you could talk about exactly how your first novel came to be published. I guess it's an interesting story and an atypical story. Uh, I, I finished the initial manuscript without having given a whole lot of thought to the fact that I was, A, writing a book, or, or B, or some path to getting it published. Um, I really wrote it for personal reasons and uh, had not done a whole lot of homework about the industry and didn't know much. Um, I initially started off just giving the the manuscript to friends and, and later friends of friends and and moved on to relative strangers. Uh, after a few months of that, I, I received a lot of good feedback and, and decided to to see what was out there in, in terms of interest from the publishing industry and and began to read books and, and learn about query letters and and submissions and agents and all of that. And, and I, I did go down that path for well over a year, um, submitting query letters and partial manuscripts and, and an occasional full manuscript without getting either much positive feedback or, or certainly any sense that, that I was likely to find a publisher through that route. In the meantime, I continued to give the book to to anyone I knew who would read it, hoping that someone knew somebody who knew somebody who might be able to help me. And eventually that worked for me. Uh, and 
a friend of my oldest brother's old college roommate was a junior editor at Viking, and and he read it and and liked it and passed it on to editor in that. Um, from then on, my story has kind of been a fairy tale. The first editor who actually read it in New York bought it. Wow, that's a pretty amazing story. I, I'm, well, I did it without an age. I, I'm curious if before writing that um, novel, Privileged Information, if you had written fiction prior to that, or if, or what was the motivation for you to sit down and start working on Privileged Information? This is always an embarrassing question for me because although I had written some fiction as a young man, by young man I mean, you know, first year of college and younger, um, I had not written any intentional fiction in two decades when I started writing the story that became Privileged Information. Um, I actually started writing it because I had just acquired my first computer and could not figure out how to use the word processing software. This was back in the early dark days of, of personal <laughs> computing, and um, word processing software was a, a complex thing, at least it was for me. And, and I decided to write a story just to teach myself how to use the software with the sole intent of using it in my clinical practice to write reports. That's interesting. <laughs> not, not your typical story. Not at all your typical story. I know that that I was embarking on uh, a new avocation, certainly not a new career. Interesting. Um, so your new novel, The Siege, was just published. It's in hardback and available in bookstores now. For someone who hasn't heard about The Siege, I wonder if you can give us an idea of what the novel is about. If someone is familiar with my work, um, The Siege will will feel like uh, it's a little bit divergent from from the series. Um, for people who are unfamiliar with my work completely, the siege is a, uh, a very atypical hostage drama. It has undertones of terrorism and is a as nonstop a a read as, as I think I'm capable of writing. Um, I've written it's my 17th book, and and all of them are thrillers, and, and I think this one is by far the most relentless book I've written. Interesting. So if you're interested in picking that up, it's in bookstores now. Um, I, I wonder, you work for many years as a clinical psychologist. I, I wonder if you've ever had a situation where you've started plotting or thinking about a potential novel and ultimately decided to abandon it because it struck too close to home with a patient that you may have treated in the past. You know, it's, it's an, and it's a dilemma that, that I worried somewhat about early in my career. But the reality is that my clinical practice, like most clinical practices, was relatively mundane and didn't provide much material that would have been useful in this new career of mine. So the, the two lines never really crossed. Occasionally, I would um, borrow a trait from a patient I had treated or a characteristic of a patient I had treated because I found it a, 
a good way to to round out a character or to give a character uh, a specific kind of color or motivation. But that's about as as close as I ever came. Um, you know, I I think there were perhaps some professions that patients had had or turns of phrase that patients had used, but nothing that that really concerned me from a professional basis in terms of um, getting into areas that that might be confidential or privileged. Sure, sure. I'm curious, as your readership has grown over the years, have you ever heard from uh, former patients who just wanted to touch base with you? It's something that happened very rarely at the beginning of my career. I'm not so sure it's because I've begun to sell more books, although I have, but I think it's because of the Internet and the fact that people can find me much more easily than they, than they could. You know, I started writing in, in the days before um, websites and email and um, Facebook, so... It, it's been much easier for old contacts, patients, and not to track me down than it was previously. And, you know, I've, I've heard from more people probably in the past five years than I did in the first 12. Interesting. Um, I'm curious, whenever two writers get together, they inevitably discuss the current state of the book publishing industry. I'm curious, as someone whose first novels, uh, your first novel was published in 1991, and you've been building an audience and readership ever since, what's the biggest change that you've noticed in book publishing since your first novel was published? Well, the biggest change is probably different from the most recent um, changes. The biggest change for me, I actually uh, started publishing before the advent of Barnes & Noble, Borders, or Amazon.com. So the, the force with which um, large bookstores and chain bookstores and um, change the industry was was certainly an epiphany for me as as those things started. Um, more recently, I think that the the industry has gone through significant upheaval, certainly in the in the fiction side, since probably nine eleven. And um, there's just been a series of changes. First, as people moved away from from reading as much fiction shortly after. Um, the disaster in September 11th, and more recently with the economic collapse and uh, the move towards digital publishing, there's just change after change after change as the industry is is trying to, you know, find its feet and and find the best way to deliver the written word. and And I don't think any of those changes are over. I think that publishing is still struggling to to find a way to deliver books in the way that, that readers most want to read them. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Interesting. I, I, I agree with a lot of that. Um, I'm curious in terms of the actual writing process for you, um, what it's like. I wonder, do you outline your novels before you sit down and begin writing on page one? Or are you the type of writer where you kind of see where the narrative takes you day to day? I'm, I'm, I certainly fall into the latter category. My experience after meeting some writers is that, you know, we sort of divide into two camps of roughly equal size. You know, the ones who are um, capable of and inclined towards outlining and, and know their story before they sit down. And, and the ones um, like me who, you know, have a, only the most vague idea of where we're going when we sit down to write the first word and never really change that over the course of a book. I, it's a process of discovery for me that, that typically is a daily event. Uh, I rarely know where I'm going each day when I sit down and find that, you know, the, the process is much more interesting to me because I'm, I'm writing the story the same way the reader reads it, which is, you know, as with a sense of novelty as each page turns. Sure. And, and I'm wondering with that process, at what point in time do you start envisioning the, the ending or the, the climax? Is that something that you kind of have a vague sense of at the beginning and you're kind of riding towards that? Typically at the beginning, I have no sense of the ending. There often is a point in the book where I will get a more vague sense of what might happen towards the end. But as often as not, whatever sense I get on page 100, you will have gone through a major transformation by the time I get to the end. Um, characters evolve for me as, as I'm writing the story. And since the plot is organic for me, the plot evolves as I'm writing the story. And any ending I might consider early on uh, typically will not fit well by the time I get to the end. And, and sometimes I find myself completely surprised by uh, how the ending actually develops in my head. Interesting. In, in terms of the writing process, I wonder what advice you might have for people who are aspiring writers and trying to um, write and, and have a novel published. One of the things that that I tried to train myself to do many years ago was to consider consider aspiring writers to be pre-published writers. And the the advice that I give is is intended to help them get from the category of pre-published to published, if that's their desire. Um, long before I, I decided to write fiction, and, and I was writing. Um, 
professional journal articles, even as far back as my dissertation, the advice I got from writers in, in psychology was that the most important thing a writer does each day is put it in her budget. And I don't think that any advice had has ever served me better. I think the reality is that writers write. And, can, can, can you actually, can you actually uh, say better? Can, can you actually say that once again, you were breaking up there for a minute, the, the one piece of advice? The one piece of advice I would give to writers is one I got many years ago um, while I was writing my professional work. And, and that advice is that the most important thing that a writer does each day is to put his or her butt in the chair. And it has served me well. I remind myself constantly that that if I want to be a writer, writers write. And um, on days that I feel like writing, I write. On days that I don't feel like writing, I write. And some days I honestly write better than I do on other days. But it, it is what I do. And um, my counsel to, to writers who are not yet published is to find a pattern of, of writing, a... Um, a system of getting their work done each day that works for them and and do it you know get your butt in the chair put some words on the page um, it's it's by far the the most important advice I ever got and it's it's what has worked for having a very long career great great advice um, well, I read a recent USA Today story about you. Um, kind of coincided with the with the release of your latest novel, The Siege, and you discuss living with multiple sclerosis. As readers of your novels know, Lauren Crowder, a recurring character in your books, also struggles with MS. Um, I wondered how has M MS impacted your writing career, and because of that, uh, you know, you're obviously a very prolific writer. Have, have you had to adapt your writing schedule and dealing? with MS? Um, let me try and deal with those questions in order. How has it affected my writing career? In Probably in very small ways. Um, one of the wonders for me of getting to make my living as a writer is that I found one of the few careers that I can really do on my own schedule and accomplish my goals and, and my tasks uh, according to my own needs. So in that way, it's been a, a vocation and, and an endeavor for me that has created m many possibilities despite my illness. Um, can you remind me what the second part of the question was? Um, I, I wondered, you know, dealing with MS, if you've had to um, adapt your writing schedule or your daily schedule, you know, in terms of living, you know, on a daily basis with, with MS. It, everyone who has MS has a different disease and everyone experiences different symptoms and experiences those symptoms differently. For me, um, I tend to have the most energy and the most focus in the morning, and probably the, the main alteration to my writing life because of MS is that I tend to be a morning writer. I would say 
90% of, of each of my books have been written before noon. Um, but outside of that, I don't think that I've, I've had to make much of a benediction to the illness with my writing. Great, great. Well, um, I'm curious what you're working on now, if, if, you, if you're comfortable talking about it. I'm writing book 18 now, and, and it is a series book um, in, in a much more traditional form than The Siege is. Uh, for, for readers who aren't familiar with my series, The Siege will not feel like a, a series book. There are not many of my ensemble of characters who show up in it, and it does not advance the series backstory much. The book the, the has almost a full cadre of series characters and will definitely advance the, the series backstory. So for readers familiar with the series, it will feel like a much more traditional book set in Colorado, set in Boulder, um, primarily narrated by my primary protagonist, Alan Gregory. So it will feel very familiar in architecture and structure. Well, great. Thanks. And again, I'll remind uh, my listeners that your latest novel, The Siege, is available now in hardback. And Stephen, thanks for taking the time for talking to me today. It's been my pleasure. Thanks very much for having me on. This is David Morrell, and when I'm not working on my latest thriller, I'm listening to the Reading and Writing Podcast. Thanks for listening to my latest interview. If you like what you heard, I would really appreciate a review of the podcast in iTunes. It's really simple. All you have to do is go to the iTunes store, and it takes a minute or two to leave a quick review of the podcast. And that way, more people can find the podcast, because the more reviews and ratings a podcast has in the iTunes store, the more they feature it and the more prominently they feature it. So hope you enjoyed the interview. Until next time, read some good books and support your local independent bookstore. And I'll be back soon with another interview with a writer that you enjoy reading. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.